it's really the mitochondrial function at the core that um, when you have uh, an improvement in mitochondrial function, you're improving the endurance of the skeletal muscles. You're listening to the High Performance Health Podcast, helping you optimize your health, performance, and longevity. My name is Angela Foster, and I'm a former corporate lawyer and high performance health coach. Each week, I bring you cutting edge biohacks, inspiring insights, and high performance habits to unlock optimal health, performance, and longevity. So excited that you've chosen to join me today. Now let's dive in. Hi friends, if like me you're interested in slowing down aging and also really enhancing your energy, then one of the things you want to be thinking about is the health of your mitochondria. We're going to be talking about that today because there is this sort of power nutrient that's come onto the stage recently, um, which is a postbiotic called urolithin A that really has incredible properties in terms of enhancing mitochondrial health. And on this episode, you will hear from my guest, Dr. Chris Rinch, who is the co-founder of a Amazentis Timeline, um, and he shares the incredible scientific journey of urolithinase discovery and the many, many benefits that have been confirmed in multiple clinical studies. There are various mechanisms of actions. I learned a lot in this episode and I think you will too. Um, all of the show notes, as always, are over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. But for now, let me introduce you to Dr. Chris Rinch. Chris, welcome to the show. We met at the Health Optimization Summit recently in London, albeit a bit briefly. I was very excited by your product timeline, Mitopure. Um, I'm delighted that you've come on the show today. So a very warm welcome. Thanks so much, Angela, for having me. This is um, this is great. Looking forward to speaking. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, anything that, as you know, on the on this podcast, it's all about high performance health. So anything that improves health span and performance is kind of right up our street. And I've heard lots of people, I haven't personally yet been using urolithinate. I'm about to start using it. Um because uh, it really excites me in terms of the benefits to mitochondrial health and energy. Um, let's start with uh, you kind of summarizing what it is, because I think many people may not have heard of it yet. Yeah. So if we're talking about, um, in general, mitochondrial health, um, mitochondria is very important for our, the functioning of all of our cells because it's producing the energy that is important to, to keep our cells uh, working properly. and but the problem is that as mitochondria are actually uh, producing that energy, the mitochondria get damaged. And so uh, the mitochondria need to undergo a, a constant sort of process of recycling of those damaged mitochondria to sort of renew the mitochondria and to keep that mitochondria pool healthy and provide enough healthy energy for your cells so they can continue to function uh, properly. And so this is sort of the base when you think about mitochondria health for your cells, you want to maintain your mitochondria in general uh, healthy on a continual basis. And you want to have this, this recycling process continue um, with you throughout your life and have that be at, at an optimal point. And so this is, this is how we think about um, mitochondria health and particularly in and what we're doing is stimulating um, this process of recycling through um, MitoPure, which is the ingredient that's inside of our product called Timeline. And MitoPure is, uh, is urolithin A. Awesome. So if we think about mitochondria, as you mentioned there, it's kind of the energy powerhouses of our cells. And that recycling process is really important. Um, 
as we start to age, what do we see in terms of mitochondrial health? I know that, you know, many, many adults will describe the fact that they have less energy, right? Children have an abundance of it, but then we also have to couple in the fact that we have way more stressors in our lives, right? We're pulled in many different directions. What's happening and how early are um, changes in mitochondrial health taking place? Well, if you think, um, if you think about, um, how you feel as you get older in terms of your muscle function as a good sort of barometer, your muscle function peaks in your thirties and then starts to slowly decline as you get older. And, and, and you can think about the same thing for your mitochondrial health. It's your mitochondrial health is, you know, is at its peak, um, as you're younger and as you're getting older, it declines. It's a function of not only your age though, it's a function of so your lifestyle, the types of foods you eat, uh, if you're more active, when we talk about lifestyle, um, being, um, you know, working out on a regular basis uh, stimulates uh, mitochondria uh, turnover and, and might improve mitochondria function. So it's a combination of all elements, um, really, when you're, when you're thinking about it. Mm. So lifestyle plays a huge part. What about in terms of uh, nutrition and things? What would be kryptonite for our mitochondria? Oh, uh, I, I think if we go into um, diets that are, you know, really uh, high in fat and, you know, lots of sugars, I think these are these are things that you want to generally stay away from. Um, so, uh, yeah, in terms of absolute kryptonite for your mitochondria, per, perhaps that might be it, you know. A donut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of donuts. A donut-based diet. Yeah. Yeah, a donut-based diet. Good. Let's stay away from that. Um, okay, so with the urolithin A, then you've obviously done a lot of studies. I think we were talking offline before that um it started in animals and you saw the improvements in mitochondrial um in muscle function, sorry. And then that's translated into humans. Can you describe what the results are there? Yeah, sure. So maybe I can walk you through the history. So uh, we started um, early on looking at the um, well, looking at the pomegranate. So we're all about sort of trying to to take um, top science and apply it towards uh, nutrition. Uh, and so we were looking at the pomegranate, and it was through that studying of the pomegranate that that brought us to um, urolithin A, which is a postbiotic of the pomegranate. So. Uh, inside the pomegranate, you have a number of phyto compounds, and one of those is uh, is called the elagitanins. And when you and these are the bitter compounds. So for those of you who are uh, consuming pomegranates on a regular basis, these are the compounds that are found in the yellow part uh, that are separating the arils in the pomegranate. And and when you um, when you have pomegranate juice, it extracts that from the uh, the yellow part, and you're consuming these elagitanins and the gut microbiota that we have basically acts to transform and convert some of the phytochemicals and particularly the elagitanins into postbiotics and, and specifically in this case into urolithin A. And so we studied urolithin A and how it impacts the body and how it impacts cellular health. And one thing interesting about this whole conversion process when you're uh, taking uh, pomegranate juice, for example, is that only uh, about 30 to 40% of the population have that right composition of gut microflora uh, to make this conversion into the postbiotic urolithin A. Uh, and so it's 
so it's not an ideal way to get urolipin A uh, from the pomegranate. And in fact, we even at the time uh, we even ran a, a short clinical study uh, with a, an age range of 20 to about 80 years old, and we compared the amounts of urolipin A you would get from uh, drinking pomegranate juice to simply taking 500 milligrams of MyoPure, and we'll get into the the dosing a little bit later. Um, and what we saw was that you would need about six glasses of pomegranate juice to, to really uh, reach those same levels of, uh, of urolithin A in your blood. And this is also only in p- individuals, the 40% of individuals who were able to convert in the first place, right? So that yeah. was dependent yeah. upon your gut microbiome. Yes, and it's, and it's, not, a, um, it's not a sort of a binary conversion. So you have people who are low converters, medium converters, and high converters which make um, urolithin A all the more amenable to a supplementation uh, strategy to get the right doses in your daily diet. Right. Okay. And so in um, when you were formulating it uh, as, a, as a supplement people could take, yes. how have you optimized for that conversion? Well, so in fact, the, the, the nice thing about giving urolithin A directly is that you don't have to worry about having the gut right gut microflora you simply take the urolithin a directly and we formulated it so that you get uh good bioavailability we we see reproducible uh blood levels of urolithin a after taking um after taking it for prolonged periods of time but i think going back to your you know your question earlier what do you see when you take urolithin a um what we've shown are, are we've done a, now a number of uh, double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized clinical studies, and and what we what we saw in our very first study, we we gave individuals uh, urolithin A for a period of 28 days, and uh, and when we what we did is to to look at mitochondrial function at that time is, is we did biopsies before and after in the um, in the leg muscle and we looked at gene expression patterns to see what, what was the impact of urolithin A uh, on the gene expression and the cells that are comprising our skeletal muscle. And, and what we saw in the study was an, an increase in the gene expression linked to mitochondria genes, uh, showing a, a boost in mitochondria biogenesis, which is basically the production of uh, of new mitochondria that are healthy. And, um, and we also did um, perform uh, blood measurements. So we looked at the um, metabolites in the blood and what we saw was a reduction in acylcarnitin levels uh, linked to taking uh, increasing doses of urolithin A at the time. And, and this, is, uh, this is also related to mitochondrial function that you have a reduction uh, of uh, plasma uh, acylcarnitin levels if you have a a higher uh, functioning mitochondrial levels. And so it was that first study where we identified uh, the dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin A and then then as as an active dose. And so then we went on to uh, conduct additional studies at 500 milligrams uh, and at one gram and and different populations uh, and different ages. Can I should clarify something there then? Sorry, you were saying that when you when people were taking the 500 milligrams of urolithin A, they had lower blood levels of 
acetylcarnitine, did you say? Yeah, acetylcarnitine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a... That it's and you have a slightly lower uh, level of reduction if you've if you've been taking that for um, yeah. In our studies, we looked at that after the first one was after twenty eight days. Okay, and how would that reduction be impacting things? So it's basically a biomarker, it's a metabolite that's linked to mitochondrial function, and so together with looking at that metabolite, and there's not a um, there's not a, a, a single it's called a mitochondria, uh, a single mitochondrial biomarker that's circulating in your blood that says your mitochondria is healthier. You have to look at sort of a combination. And, um, and so that's where it's interesting to looking at a, a number of biomarkers. And, and one of those is acetylcarnitins. More direct approach is to look directly at a specific cell type and look at mitochondria function uh, and look at gene expression in a specific cell type. And that was the reason why we we focused on the skeletal muscle and looking at biopsies and skeletal muscle. And that was, um, and that was very interesting to, to see that we could have that improvement in mitochondria uh, after 28 days. And, and that really stimulated us to go on and, and take a look after a longer period of exposure. And so our next study was in a group of individuals who were 40 to 65 years old and uh, and who we uh, administered 500 milligrams on a daily basis, as well as one gram. And we did that over a period of four months. And, um, and after that period of four months, what we saw was uh, an improvement in leg muscle strength uh, that was statistically significant, about uh, 10% uh, over their baseline levels. And uh, we also looked at other type of uh, parameters along the way as well. Sorry, that was 500 milligrams and one gram. Were there differences between the two? You know, the the main difference is uh, we saw uh, in terms of muscle strength, we we saw that both statistically improved muscle strength versus baseline uh, and and versus placebo because we we always have placebos in our uh, clinical studies for nutrition and and so uh, the other mark the other things that were increased uh, were at or different markers of uh, of mobility, for example, um, yeah, the we, we saw that VO two peak VO two was increased more at uh, one gram versus uh, five hundred milligrams, but it wasn't increased at a statistically significant level. It was a uh, uh, but it but it was markedly increased. Okay, so it's improving aerobic function yeah. at the same time. Yes. as muscle strength and with the when you were doing those studies i'm just curious so were um you said you had the placebo group where they were just on nutrition were these yes. individuals also doing a specific form of exercise to complement that activity or were they, no, what, in fact, were they in this, yeah and so in fact in this study it was interesting that in in that there was um these this is a population of uh sedentary uh individuals and so they weren't conducting exercise uh, which makes the results all the more interesting to see that, you know, that they're sedentary and they're overweight uh, wow. individuals. And so we saw we were able to see that that they were improving their muscle strength uh, without um, following an exercise regimen as well. It's really impressive. And also their VO2 max from what uh, you were yes, saying. Yes, yes, exactly. And so we see the, the VO2 max uh, was increasing as well. And uh, yeah, and the six-minute walk was also increasing uh, with the one gram 
Uh, but those, as I mentioned, weren't increased uh, statistically significant, but from uh, an impactful uh, level, they were increased. When you say not statistically significant, do you mean the difference between the dose of 500 to a gram, 500 milligrams no, to one gram? No, the difference between uh, when we talk about statistical significance, you always um, you always position that versus a placebo. So uh, when we talk about an improvement in muscle function, we compare it to uh, the the changes that were uh, observed in those people taking a placebo versus the changes uh, of those people taking mitopure. Uh, at 500 milligrams and, and at one gram. And what we did see, um, but the reality is in clinical studies, you you often see um, different um, different endpoints uh, improve, but they don't they're not statistically significant because of the size of the group uh, may not have been large enough to actually show that statistical uh, difference between a placebo and active. Okay. Um, but the improvements in muscle strength were significant. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, interesting. And over what period was that? That was a four-month period that we were um, administering the product. And, and you know, what was, what was fascinating also is we've, we also uh, ran a clinical study that was looking at people who are 65 and older uh, and, and had um, basically a, a lower... We, we can call it a lower mitochondrial function. And we look at that by sort of their walking speed. Uh, and we also screened for that in the study using a, a more of a complicated technique called um, MRS or magnetic resonance spectroscopy. And, and we looked at the, um, the mitochondrial function in their leg muscles. And uh, when we screened them to bring them into the study, and we treated these uh, these individuals with one gram, and we saw after two months um, that we were seeing an improvement in the muscle endurance. And we looked at two muscles. We looked at the hand muscles, or the first interosseous muscle here, and we looked at the uh, at the leg muscle as well. And we saw an improvement in, in endurance. Um, and so that was uh, that was the first time that we looked at endurance, and that was the first time we looked at that in in that population. So starting to give us um, a general understanding uh, of what are the different parameters that we can impact uh, in different populations. And then general, in terms of muscle function, we're starting to have, you know, after these three clinical studies, seeing an impact uh, at the muscle level, uh, not only at the cellular level, but also at the uh, muscle function level, strength, muscle endurance, um, and all done at different uh, clinical centers. So uh, it starts to give a, a lot of uh, robust uh, information about the benefits of urolipine in humans. And, and, you know, this is all, what's fascinating is, is how, how nicely this translates. And we, we haven't spoken about that um, yet, but the, the preclinical work that we did. And so prior to going into humans, we we ran uh, quite a number of studies to assess the muscle function in, in mice, uh, and we saw an improvement in muscle function as, um, as they were getting older. Uh, and you know, I think one of the, the most dramatic uh, first studies that we did in mice was, was looking at, at the effect of, of mice just normally taking our product versus not. And, and what we saw was an improvement in, um, in running 
by about um, 40 to 50 percent. And that's just sort of they just kept on running uh, further. And and those that even that uh, in separate studies where mice were getting older, uh, they had a higher endurance level, too, in terms of running. And do you credit that down to like uh, to do with the muscle function itself in terms of like their maybe their slow twitch muscle fibers that's allowing for that endurance or is it down to an improvement? We talked a little bit a moment ago, but you said it wasn't statistically significant in terms of the VO2 or is it a bit of both? Like what's happening there if they're improving their endurance capacity? Well, it's really your um, it's, it's really the mitochondrial function at the core that um, when you have uh, an improvement in mitochondrial function, you're improving the endurance of the skeletal muscle cells. We've looked at um, we, we've looked in, in mice at uh, at the skeletal muscle, and we've looked at the um, at the mitochondria in mice and, and older mice that have been treated with uh, A. And what we see is that the mitochondria actually look a lot better. So. Um, for those of you who are familiar with what mitochondria look like, they sort of can be kind of bean shaped, but inside they have a structure that's called the cristae, and uh, and it's a very organized structure when when you're young and 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 as you get older, this this structure inside of your cell it is it, it becomes a little bit disorganized, and so what we saw in, in these mice was that um, this after taking urolithin uh, A for a period of time, basically the, the mitochondria start to resemble the mitochondria uh, of the young mice. And so we're now uh, uh, considering exploring this in, in humans. Uh, and so we're working on a clinical study that will will look at actually the mitochondria uh, structure from a structural perspective in humans after taking uh, mitopure for an extended period of time. Interesting. I guess what we don't know is how it's affecting the mitochondria and heart muscle and cardiac well, muscle. Well, yes, I think it's, I, I think this is an interesting uh, point you bring up because there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of work on at least preclinically and, and looking at the benefit of uh, urolithin A across a number of different animal studies. And we've, we've actually uh, looked at that in, on the impact of heart function, and and we're you know now uh, in the process of submitting a publication on that, and and what we do see in animals is uh, an improvement in in cardiovascular function and heart function, and uh, and so it'll be interesting to see um, at a certain point in the future how that translates you know into humans. Mm, very much so. Um... What's the best way then to to take it? You you um I think is it it's in a five hundred milligram dose? Is it in Mitopure? Yes, well we we have um we have a couple of different product formats. We started out with a, a powder format um, because we wanted to have um, we we basically wanted to open the door to an experience with our product that you could mix it into the foods that you were eating for breakfast. We, we understand that most people are eating their sub taking their supplements at in the morning time. And so, um, so in this case, uh, we have a powder that can go into smoothies, into yogurts. Uh, and then we have also um, a pill format, a soft shell format that that's convenient and has 500 milligrams uh, in, the, in the soft gels. Take two soft gels uh, every day. We'll, we'll get that. 
And is it best to take it with uh, with food or if someone's fasting, could they take it in a fasted state? You know, we haven't seen any type of um, what they call the food effect in terms of the absorption of urolipin A. We've, yeah, we've mixed it into uh, yogurts and we've looked at the um, the PK or the pharmacokinetic profile and the absorption into the blood and, versus taking it as a pill format. Our clinical studies, um, you know, have, have taken, people have taken it in the morning and the absence of food. Um, and so uh, in the first studies, and, and so we, we don't see any impact on, on food. Okay. Um, I mean, this is super interesting, really interesting. When you think like uh, for, you know, for people listening, how important both muscle strength and VO2 are in terms of preserving health span as we get older, like they're two of the biggest things, um, which is so important. And and these results that you've got with a sedentary population are amazing that they're not actually exercising and yet they're still seeing improvements. Well, well, yeah, I I think this is, um, you know, this is something that's really fascinating about, um, you know, the biology of the muscle and mitochondria, you know, you you know, classically, you you exercise to improve your muscle function, which is also improving your mitochondria function. Here, you know, we're offering uh, a supplement that's that's acting on, on a whole body level um, that is, um, you know, that is acting to improve muscle function and mitochondrial function. Um, as we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, being able to add these into your daily um, yeah, daily routine. Are, are, is, I find them very helpful so that you can have sort of a holistic approach. I, I, we, we don't advocate or we don't advocate a, a process where you're only taking supplements and you're not exercising. Uh, it's really important to integrate exercising uh, supplements, the choice of the right diet um, to have that that holistic approach to health. Sure, sure. Um, I always say put their lifestyle stuff in first, but this is just like it's nice to to know that it's how it's working and those results. Um with the um with it, you also have some skin-based products, which is quite yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how those are working. Sure. So so Angela, we um we started with the all of the aspects of the nutrition and then we we realized the benefit of of urolithin A uh, and saw how it, it converted so nicely into skeletal muscle tissue, uh, and we were we were thinking, well, let's you know let's see how this works when we apply this topically. And we started doing some more studies, and what we we saw was that we were improving mitochondrial function when we started going into uh, in, into uh, into tissue uh, into cells uh, that are comprising. The, uh, the skin, whether it's uh, keratinocytes and, and fibroblasts and, and culture, and then we and then we decided to to try this in in humans, and uh, and we said and we ran a few clinical studies where basically we we looked at the impact of urolithin A when applied uh, directly to the skin, and and there's you know there's two types of um, broadly speaking there's two types of aging. Uh, for our skin, there's the intrinsic aging, and this is aging uh, linked to decline in your cell function, as we were talking about earlier for for muscle function. And then there's the extrinsic uh, aging, and, and so the skin is basically our barrier to the outside world, and so it's being bombarded by 
you know, UV light as well as pollution. And so but we took an approach to study the benefits of uh, urolithin A, both on the intrinsic aging and the extrinsic aging. And uh, we ran separate studies. Uh, and, and what we saw was uh, that we were able to uh, improve the intrinsic aging. We saw also a reduction in, in wrinkle depth. Uh, and we, we also saw when we did uh, biopsies, we were seeing an, an impact on an actual sort of, you know, the, the structural uh, components of the skin. So we're talking about, um, you know, collagen uh, proteins levels and and the genes that are um, involved in regulating them. And then so the improvements others, in collagen production. Yeah. So we we looked at we basically took biopsies and we looked at uh, the, we did proteomics and, and genomics, and we were studying uh, the level of, um, of the genes responsible for collagen production and for also uh, collagen uh, degradation. And that's where we saw a direct impact on, um, on the structural components of the skin. And we, we also went on, as I mentioned, on, on extrinsic aging, uh, this is something that we thought was very interesting to study. So we uh, we did a, a study where we did UV uh, exposure uh, to people's backs, and we provided uh, urolithin A after that. And what we saw was a reduction in inflammation uh, following the application of urolithin A uh, topically. And so, I mean, consequently, this is we see this as an approach that can be used and can be very powerful. Um, for uh, as a, uh, I don't like to use um, anti-aging uh, as a word, but uh, for skin health and and skin health longevity, because we really are interested in. I mean, the skin is our primary barrier to the outside world. We really want to keep that uh, functioning at its peak, and and so that's the approach that we're exploring right now with the products that we've been developing. Interesting. And do they? Um penetrate then into the deeper layers of the skin when you apply them do you need to use anything like a derma roller to enhance that penetration or well uh our clinical studies have been all based on sort of application with your with your hands so uh, as you would typically with normal uh skin cream so not using any type of special devices to um to see the effects because we wanted to make sure that it was uh, applied in sort of a real world context that most people would use uh, products, skin skincare products. And does that need to be in terms of order? <laughs> With my own like skincare, there's a, a sort of order in terms of weight of the product that you're using. So things like if you want to put like a serum based product on, that would go first. And if you're going to put an oil on, then it's going to go last, right? Um, where would this fit in any kind of skincare regimen? Well, we've developed uh, three different. We, we appreciate the. You know the the protocol or the regimens that that people like to use when managing you know their their skin health, and so we've developed three different products. We have a a day cream, we have a night cream, and we have a serum. And so uh, often people use during the day the, the day cream and the and the serum, and at night uh, the night cream and, and potentially the night cream and the serum. Oh, okay. So you have all of those to try. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we talked a bit earlier. I was just uh, my, as soon as I'm hearing about this with uh, 
the you know the the supplement and also the skincare it just seems to lend itself super well to a combination with near infrared and red light therapy which also kind of acts on the mitochondria and enhances collagen and things like that well it's true that um yeah red light therapy is also acting on the mitochondria and stimulating the mitochondria so there's a lot of interest around uh red light therapy uh, I think it's something interesting to explore uh, to combine the two. Um, there's certainly uh, no issue in in trying them. Uh, I think have, having combination uh, approaches are interesting for um, you know for supplements. I think this is sort of the way the future is going to go in terms of biohacking your body and and how do you how do you combine the uh, the different tools that are out there, whether it's uh, dietary supplement, uh, a topical product, or other type of red light therapy, as you as you say. Mm, interesting. And would there be any reason why you couldn't combine this with other products that uh, assist with mitochondrial health? So I'm thinking here something like methylene blue. I, I don't see um, I don't see a reason why you couldn't try it with other mitochondrial products no i think there's you know there's other um not speci- not speaking specifically to methylene blue but i mean in, in general there's there are other products out there that are acting on the mitochondria but are uh, taking a different uh pathway like coenzyme q10 for example um that you know that you know there would be a complementarity there by taking those uh those products so um yeah no i i think if you really uh, want to focus on the mitochondria, it, I think probably, uh, first of all, getting the turnover of your damaged mitochondria is probably where you want to start um, so that you can have a functioning mitochondria uh, within your cells. And then you can start adding other things uh, to your cells to improve the overall health of the cell. Yeah. So the, okay, great. So this is, this is affecting the function, as you say, and the regeneration of that mitochondria and development of new mitochondria. And then some of the other products maybe are helping with the um, quality, right? And, and there's this, it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's getting the, the high, a high quality mitochondria by and maintaining that mitochondria pool by stimulating the turnover and the removal of the, the damaged mitochondria, a little bit like, you know, taking out the trash and, and and then you can bring in other products that are going to help uh, the mitochondria function even better um, after they're sort of you know healthy to begin with. And with um with exercise, I guess a question I would have here is you know when we look at like the oxidative stress that's caused by exercise, part of the adaptation comes from the body's resiliency and sort of overcoming that and making physiological changes. So there's some research around certain antioxidants that are synthetic, so not food-based, you know, obviously going and eating some blueberries per workout seems to be fine, but specifically taking things like vitamin C may, uh, synthetic forms may interfere with that process. Is that true with the urolithin A? Like, is there a time of day that it should be taken? Should it be taken away from exercise or is that not relevant? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because we, We've recently completed a, um, a clinical study um, in uh, elite and sub-elite athletes uh, and over in Australia, and, and they were training for a period of um, 28 days at elevation, ele- elevated uh, elevated training camp, and and we looked at uh, their performance and their recovery 
um, and how their recovery was changed while they were exercising. And, and this is like doing three kilometer runs, so um, not short sprints. And, 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 and what we saw was an improvement in, um, in markers of recovery and, and uh, lowering these sort of inflammatory markers of recovery uh, after uh, races that, that they were performing at the end of their um, uh, of this trial period, and and this was also a, a double-blind placebo-controlled study, and and so this shows that it's you know it, it does also work and and have an activity and people who are uh, yeah exercising on a regular basis, but also exercising at at a very high level in terms of performance. In terms of performance. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's it would it would it be like detrimental if you took it immediately post workout, for example? Uh, we we haven't we haven't studied sort of timing of taking it, but there's no reason to believe that that it would be it have a negative consequence uh, after, by taking it right after. It's it's improving mitochondrial function, and stimulating this whole process, and and so in, in fact when you exercise, you should be stimulating similar pathways and, and inducing a uh, a recycling of your mitochondria so i i think that that there's nothing scientifically to be um as a contraindication indication to that and what about um thank you for clearing that what about with uh food obviously we talked about taking it with food would there be any yeah. kind of gastric distress if you were to take it uh on an empty stomach in the in the caps encapsulated form no in fact our, our first study was um People were taking it on an empty stomach, okay. and so there was there was no issues. No issues with that. I guess my last question would be then: What about uh, cognitive benefits? Have you seen anything there in terms of like many of these things also seem to work quite well as a as a kind of nootropic? Have you seen any benefits there? Well, interesting. You you mentioned cognition. Uh, when you know when we started the company, we were very focused on the on uh, cognition and and brain health and. And we we still are very interested in cognition and brain health, and, and in fact, some of our collaborators are are studying the effects of urolithin A and various models of cognition, and and we intend to run a clinical study later this year to you know explore the effects on on brain health and 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 how this uh, how urolithin A actually gets into the into the CNSF and and uh, into the brain. And so um, we'll probably have more to talk about that uh, well, next year. Awesome. Keep us posted on it. Yeah, um, yeah. the studies that we're, we're doing right now, other studies that we're doing right now include the benefits on um, on immune health. So, you know, we're starting to you know expand, as I mentioned about brain and skin, expand um, uh, and build off of what we've seen in the muscle. And we're looking at, immune health and, and we're doing a study now where we're uh, taking a, a deep dive into the impact on immune cells uh, following uh, taking uh, A, And so that'll be very interesting to, to see that effect. So there's been a lot of uh, preclinical work that was published last year uh, on, the, on the benefits for immunity. So we hope to see some, uh, some very interesting results by the end of this year. That's exciting. Yeah. And uh, with the with the dosage, because you mentioned two doses there, is it done by someone's weight or is the is the dose that you've kind of fixed on? Is it is it 500 milligrams? Like what is 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 more any better? Is it something you can double up on or? Well, yeah, so the the um, the base dose 
that we've determined uh, has a benefit on your mitochondrial function, also muscle health and muscle strength has been uh, 500 milligrams. And so that's, uh, that is our, our base dose that we're recommending to everybody. Now, if you're um, a higher performer, or maybe if you're uh, perhaps a, a larger person, you may wish to take a, a higher dose up to a gram. We haven't done uh, any clinical studies above one gram. Uh, we have, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we have run clinical studies in a gram and we see some nice effects in a, in a gram as well. And um, yeah, no, but uh, 500 milligrams uh, is, is, a very, um, is a very good dose to, for people to start with. Okay. So if they were thinking about more, it would be based around size, but also maybe if they're pushing themselves very hard. So someone who's a real sure. like performance athlete, maybe. Sure. So, um, in, and in the context of this clinical study we ran in Australia, uh, we ran uh, this study with uh, one gram uh, of urolithinate given uh, every day. It's very, very interesting. Uh, thank you. Is there anything else that I haven't touched on here that's new um, or anything, anything you've studied, anything exciting you want to share? Well, I, you know, I think we've covered a lot from, you know, from yeah. muscle function to skin function to, you know, immune and, uh, you know, to studying uh, effects on brain in the future. I, I think we're, we're really, what we're trying to do uh, here at Timeline is, is really uh, a, approach longevity and a, a holistic approach. So people have solutions for the different health benefits that they're concerned for, whether it's their muscle health, whether it's immune health, skin health, et cetera. And um, yeah, we're, you know, we're early on in this uh, journey and really excited about it. We have a lot of, um, we have now tens of thousands of customers who are um, taking our product uh, and, and we're excited uh, to have the impact uh, that we are on people's lives. And so, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, and it comes sharing this information with other people is uh, it's so important uh, when you have a new product like this. And so I uh, really enjoyed sharing with you today, Angela. Yeah, thank you for coming on and talking about it, Chris. I mean, I, I think what I love about it is uh, is the science that's behind it and how well you study it, because I think it's that's so crucial, you know, for anyone listening and thinking about taking it, knowing that there's really good science behind it. And I think on your website, you link to the literature and, and things that people can have a look at. Um, do you want to share more about where people can find more about Timeline if they're interested sure. and how they can connect with you? Sure. So, you know, you can, Timeline uh, products can be purchased on uh, our website, timelinenutrition.com. And on this website, you can also find uh, not only our products, but as Angela was saying, uh, uh, links to all the publications that we have, um, that we've made over the years both the preclinical and of course, uh, more importantly, the clinical publications showing the benefits on muscle function, as well as a recent publication that came out on, uh, on the benefits on skin health as well. And so, um, which, so it's a really, it's a great place to go. Also, uh, we have a lot of nice uh, blogs where we talk about um, the importance of mitochondrial function and, and other aspects linked to um, aging and health span we're all about health span, and and I think this is um, this is an important sort of mindset that we should all have: is how do we, you know, keep ourselves and our bodies functioning optimally for as long as we can, 
and um, we're here to help. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think I think mastering our health and becoming the CEO of our health is such a crucial thing. Thank you for coming and sharing this. Um, we will link to uh, everything that you've talked about here today in the show notes. Um, thanks again. Okay. Thank you so much, Angela. Appreciate it. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey to vibrant health and high performance. Make sure you check out the show notes for a summary of all the important links to everything we talked about. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit the follow button and share it with a friend or on social media and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Remember, achieving high performance health is about getting 1% better each day. So think about one thing you learned from today's episode and start implementing it today and share with me what you learned on social media over at Angela S. Foster. I love hearing from you and connecting with you. Have a beautiful day and always remember, you are worthy of your dreams. Thank you.